Hi everyone, we're excited to finally present these guest episodes to you. But keep in mind, this interview was recorded on September 15th, 2020, during all the craziness. Without further ado, here's the episode with Nicole D'Ambrosio. Pixel Perfect Podcast focuses on how creatives gain an understanding of failures that have shaped and contributed to their success. During the course of our talk, we would dive deep into our guest design journey, have an insight into their process, and let them unfold their experience with the world. We believe that unique stories and meaningful messages are worth empowering and sharing so that they will inspire creative minds to pursue their calling. In this episode, we are very excited and pleased to have Nicole D'Ambrosio on our show. Who is Nicole D'Ambrosio? Nicole currently holds a color designer title at No Bull, an athletic footwear apparel and an accessory, and an accessory brand. Though she... Though she's happy and busy at her job, Nicole's journey has been captivating to get her to where she is at. Um, it all started from a very young age that she was fascinated by colors and always loved being active. Over time, this has become a passion and led her to pursue her degree in the industrial and product design at Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston, where she earned experiences working for the Rockport Company as an intern and topo athletics as a junior design associate. These past experiences have set Nicole to her next career where she worked for the Converse as a colors and material designer while gaining her expertise in crafting her understanding in color and materials at Converse. Um, she acquired a new skill set in UX UI design and later became a UX UI instructor at General Assembly. I'm an education and career transformation institution specialized in the world's most on-demand skills. Um, I was, uh, she was my TA, which is which is fun. A little fun fact about Nicole: she enjoys cooking and finds it as another creative outlet. What a journey for Nicole so far! In this conversation, you will learn more good advice that Nicole has learned along the way and is very excited to share. And now on to the episode. Welcome, Nicole. Um, we're glad to have you here. I'm uh, so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I guess um, we found out that, well, I know you through General Assembly, but um, I guess you, you left that job and now you're in a new job now. Um, yes. So, so I, yeah, can you tell us about that? To, like just Absolutely. as a, a I just keep bouncing around um, design <laughs> field surely um, I'll take you from the top though so I went to Wentworth Institute of Technology um, I graduated in 2015 um, with a bachelor's so for those who really don't know what industrial design is it has nothing to do with a dam building <laughs> <laughs> what I get a lot <laughs> they're like so are you doing like structural things to build now Industrial design is a very, very broad um, uh, design field. And when I say that, that means any products that you pretty much use on a regular day basis. So really think about the things that you interact with, right? So your door, your toothbrush, your fork, (laughs) the door handle itself, um, your car, or any of those interfaces that you interact with on the daily, it all falls underneath this umbrella called industrial design. Um, so you're like, well, Nicole, how the hell did you figure out your niche in footwear and UX and all these little nuances? Um, I really generally design, when I think about my design work, I just always keep the person in mind, right? We're designing for people no matter what. And whether that is in a digital product space or a physical one, um, you always have to make sure your users in mind. And I, I really honored that when I was at industrial design, it's designing for people. It's all about the ergonomics, the ease of the use of the product. It is, is it attractive? Because guess what? If it's not, no one's going to pick it up. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I had my very first co-op opportunities in the footwear space. Um, and I kind of climbed from a startup atmosphere. Um, I started off at like Rockport and Reebok as internships, and then this other athletic footwear um, brand called Topo Athletic. They specifically kind of conquer the space of marathon running, trail running. Um, And then I went to the lifestyle side of things at Converse. 
So I designed for athletes. I designed for that lifestyle fashionista person. Um, I designed for the businessman and woman who work a seven to seven who's on the go. So I've really understood from the get go of how to kind of step step into that consumer space. Um, and I mean, all of these principles that I've learned throughout the years just translate straight over to UX UI. Am I not right, Brett? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we always have to make sure we have the user's, um, you know, goal in mind as long as the business. And that's where you have to strike that balance of like when you're designing your work, you're like, am I checking all my boxes on the business side front? Um, am I doing something different enough that's a departure from the last product we released? And is it an approval, uh, like saying, has it improved that space that you're designing in? Or is it kind of a subset or a sister or brother of a collection? So there's so much things to consider of how you're going to position right. the product, how you speak to it, and if your business is going to make a dollar off of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's so awesome to hear that. But um, I'm curious, how did you get your curiosity into this uh, material industry? Um, did, um, was it something that you liked um, at the beginning when you Absolutely. were a kid or like how, how did you get into that? So I definitely knew I always wanted to dabble in footwear. Um, so a random fun fact, um, I have always been an athlete. I've been a dancer for, I had 19 years underneath my belt for a competitive dancer. So I was traveling all over the U S you know, competing and stuff like that. So these products I heavily relied on. And if, mm -hmm those pieces of footwear or products I were using were to fail on me, I failed on my performance. And that's where I was just like, I'm going to invest myself into this space because I know firsthand when something fails on you, it, you like can take so much responsibility for yourself. Um, that's right. but, you know, I just always want to make sure I put good products out in the world that never, ever, ever sandbag someone's progress. They only make them perform better. And that's mm -hmm. kind of definitely why I, I gravitated towards this new role at Noble, um, for those who uh, I didn't tell you guys, but I moved <laughs> from the UX space back to the footwear world and I, mm -hmm. I settled with um, the Noble product and they're just like, it, I mean, it's in the name, there's no bullshit to their products. Right. <laughs> um, couldn't be more of a, a, a more durable product behind your performance for sure. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think since you're an athlete yourself, you have a tremendous understanding about how athletes perform, and then, um, and then from there you can just design things that actually basically not only fit the clients who are athletes, but also yourself, like because you understand the world of athletes. Right. Um, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, very for sure. And, um, yeah. That... Next question that I'm pretty much reading his mind. He's like, well, then Nicole, how did you kind of dabble into the UX thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> in college and specifically when, you know, I feel like Instagram and all that stuff was just streamlining back when I was in college and we, the social media space like blew up to the nines. Like we were definitely in the day digital age, but I think we just didn't know back in 2011 how uh, social media and you know, your phone relationship is going to, you know, really definitely increase and you're going to be so dependent on this thing. Mm -hmm. And I was always really attracted to the ease of, you know, tasks on an app or a website or just really beautiful functioning things like anything that is easy and breezy and beautiful and not cover girl, but um just something that was pleasurable to use and you got your resources in the first five minutes of visiting whether that app or that website um i thought i thought that was like hey these people know how to design they know what that goal is in mind or that task and they know how to achieve it and design to it so really once again i just took all those principles that i've learned over the years in footwear products and really just translated those like all those principles and values over to the digital space nice. um and that and and for a person that i am a color specialist um that speaks volumes in the digital space because you know when you're using additive and subtractive colors um, a lot of people can't translate some colors over the screen that well so you really want to make sure you're always designing for all and when i say that 
I mean, making sure your designs are super accessible for all. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. And yeah, it seems like, you know, at the start when you were talking about it, it doesn't seem like there's a huge overlap with industrial design to UX design. But at the same time, I feel like there's there's an overlap between graphic design and UX design. Like design is everywhere pretty much. So there's... Yeah, there, you, and I think yeah. for something on the UX and graphic side of yeah. things is the majority of people, I feel, just connect more on a visual level. Right. And that's where you guys kind of come in, right? Of course, yeah. Um, you make that translation happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I feel like UX has made me into a better graphic designer in a way, so it's, it's nice. Yeah, and so yeah. me being a, in the UX space, I was obviously primarily all about the user interface. Yep. Not saying that I did not honor research, whatever. like I obviously honored research. I want to put my facts yeah. <laughs> down on paper and prove them. Um, I'm not just about prettiness. And that also goes for, you know, my products in the noble space, right? So yeah. I'm a surface designer. I've dabbled in materials and I've dabbled in color. I want right. to really make sure that this mood and this product really speaks to that person. Of course. So we're yeah. going to uh, <laughs> we're going to start off with our uh, question that we ask all all our guests here. Uh, okay. So tell us about your biggest mistake in your design career um, and what did you learn from it? Oh, biggest mistake. You know, you always want to like put those away. That's the whole purpose of this podcast cool. here, yeah. Eric and Nicole fuck up. I'm sorry if I swear. Do <laughs> not <laughs> worry about it. Um, Hmm. I mean, I feel like everybody is supposed to kind of make mistakes. It's just really depending how you go about solving them. Yeah. Um, and if you're feeling defeated and kind of where, where's your head at on that creative solution process, right? Um, when you're at panic at the disco, like you're about to tag in your boss and be like, yo, I have my tail between my legs. I kind of fucked up here. Yeah. Um, before I even go to my higher ups or my directives, I do try to resolve the issue um, and evaluate it on my own level before, you know, kind of rinse and repeat, making sure you double, triple, triple check yourself before you communicate that because, you know, you don't want to admit to things when really you're just like, oh, I didn't read that right. Just kidding. False alarm. Right. Um, that is almost a bigger mess. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> um, but I think if I were to kind of pick an example um, I mean, I definitely learned a lot of, I have a lot of little examples for UX and freelance, um, but in the physical product space is really saying organized because especially in footwear and apparel design, you have so many moving parts from different facilities. Um, you know, you're getting yarns in from one vendor that you have to check the color and then you have to send it to another place to actually make the yarn and then they got to put it on the shoe and then that shoe needs to go back to the other fairware and then the right. sample goes back to you. It's like, it, it filters through so many people. So if you're moving too fast and you're not checking yourself, you are so going to wreck yourself and your products before you even know it. Um, right. So really thing on top of your stuff, but also staying in communication with your team, because if you want to have ownership about something and, you know, you're just saying, approve, approve this, approve that, I'm going to change this and not have that collective moment with your team, you know, your wolf pack, your pod, yeah. your bots, um, whoever your people are, if you don't rein them in, it's really going to wreak havoc because whatever I'm doing in footwear is going to affect the space of accessories, whatever, right. and it's going to affect apparel. And then, then there's the domino effect and I'm in charge of the color standards. Um, to give you an example on the UX space where I've definitely flopped on the face <laughs> is uh, the developer stage. So I feel as when you're designing wireframes and your screens and you know you're connecting things you're making your happy paths um you want to take a step back and make sure that you really test the crap out of your product and you know your intention is this desired path 
of what you're trying to achieve through these screens. Yeah. But if you don't kind of rinse and repeat and kind of figure out where else you can access this information, like kind of designing those other avenues um, and really kind of looking at that bird's eye perspective of your app and then honing in onto that particular flow and just kind of going back and forth there because the developer is not going to know how you thought that was going to be achieved. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it's, um, it's talking like to a developer. Not yeah. they're, they're obvious. Right, right. Yeah, um, I've noticed that or whenever I've talked to a like developer in the UX stage, um, like and like sometimes it seems obvious to me from a design point of view, but from like the, the developer who actually has to code everything. Um, it's right. very different, so they have a different language to everything. So yeah, that's a good one. They uh, move really, really slow when yeah. they start to work everything in Scratch. So, yeah. so just kind of think about that. Like, you know, you're taking baby steps into building something where you have eight screens that get you through a flow, and you can just kind of say that in eight seconds. Yeah. Where you know they're going to have bigger disconnects. Of course. Um, but that's another thing to consider, right? I think my crux is, or I guess my weakest, my weak point in my process is organization because I work in a startup or I have and I'm working freelance at the same time. So if I move too fast and I don't double check myself, I can really sandbag myself very, very fast. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So answer. I'm curious, do you have any techniques or um, um, more like things that you do and not you slow yourself down a little bit? Perhaps yeah. maybe a to-do list, uh, sticky notes, things like that. Oh, I got all those. Um, yeah. So some of the methods of my madness um, is if I don't physically write it down in my notebook, it definitely doesn't get done that day. Um, mm -hmm. I've really learned that. Um, and if it comes to, to other to-do lists on my laptop or my phone, I make sure that that note is shared between both of my devices. So as I'm adding it on my phone, it's reflected on my computer. Make sure that's always synced. Mm. Um, and that to-do list is really my reminders in my phone, my iPhone. Um, because the reminders, you can have a due date. So if I have a bill or there's like a meeting or I have to ask someone by a certain time, at least I get that notification saying like, hey, your time's coming up. You really got to, you got to conquer this, got to make a decision. Um, mm -hmm. So I have, you know, uh, those to-do lists. Um, in my phone, and then I have my written to-do list for the day. So like, these are the concrete things I have to conquer. I have my notification set up. And then um, in between meetings, I make sure I time block around um, 30 to 45 minutes. I never give myself a full hour just because I tend to work slower in the beginning of the hour. So if I give mm -hmm. myself less than, I actually kind of jump to my work a little bit faster. I know that's just like a little trick. I was like, if I get myself an hour, I'm gonna drag my feet for the first 15 and then I'm productive for 45. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. So and, and I like, guess oh, yeah. full 45, go. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think it's um it's different every time, right? Because oh, like absolutely. you say, maybe 15 maybe it takes you 15 minutes to warm up or something, but next time it would take you shorter or even longer. It depends on the day too. Sometimes I feel like um is that is that how you feel sometimes too when you oh, um one day you feel super productive I yeah go ahead 100 agree with what you're saying because really it depends um brett knows that yeah, so very well of course. In the GA of, yeah it depends right um, so <laughs> if i'm doing lab dips and basically in in short what a lab dip is is i give them a colored standard and then they ask for all of these materials to come back in that color and you will be so damn surprised the color mm -hmm. variants you get um so let's say if I have like three three swatches, um, you know, that's going to take me 25 minutes. Um, but if I have a whole package coming in, I best set myself up for at least an hour and a half. So I have time to, you know, not only review these things, but gear up my responses and my feedback. So I'm really making sure that I'm turning and burning that workload around. I never let my packages and my feedback sit for more than a day. Um, because, you know, you have other people overseas, you have other people kind of waiting on this color standard in other departments. So I have to make sure right. that I'm really on top of the ball. Um, 
and that goes for UX, right? Wireframes are supposed to be quick and dirty. So please only like give yourself 45, like 45 minutes for like maybe 20 screens. Yeah. Um, but if you actually go back into finesse those things and branding, there's going to be so much trial and error. So I would be like, give yourself an hour and a half and then give yourself a break and then maybe touch it later on that day or the next morning with fresh eyes. You'll be surprised. Yeah. Like walking in the next day with different feelings, more energy or less. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how you, how you respond to your work, the, after just like, you know, a little break away from it. And for me, sometimes I just have to take a break in between as well. Um, take my eyes off the screen, maybe walk around, um, talk to people perhaps, um, and then come back to it. Yeah. Also very yeah. important. I think I just got to hit on this one note here as I'm talking to you guys um, and Brett, like I've, I've seen you for 12 weeks work. So like, I, I already know like how <laughs> you kind of function and we've had deeper conversations, but um, Andy to you um, as a creative person, do you feel like it requires a lot more? Um, I want to say stamina. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like creatives, kind of every day you're faced with something different. And I think that requires a different amount of energy. Do you agree? Oh, oh yeah, I, yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. Um, every day is a different challenge. Um, you just never know sometime what's going to happen. And maybe there's going to be a change happens suddenly and then you just you know, go back to, perhaps you have to go back to the beginning again and start over. So yeah, totally agree. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not like, uh, it's so, it's not so much like your physical energy. Like, I, I guess it's more the mental energy aspect of it where all of a sudden you're just burnt out or something like that. But yeah. 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 I feel like you definitely, um, you know, I feel like your mental will definitely take over your physical space after a little while, but I can see where you're like the limitations on the, uh, the emotional spectrum. Will definitely <laughs> yeah. have up first. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but that's, that's just where I kind of really ground myself in. It's like, you know, you, you're a designer. You're definitely not like the average Joe who gets up and does the same thing over and over every day. Right. Yep. Um, you have a different type of demand. Um, and yeah. you got to really show up for yourself and take care of yourself and be really methodical and figure out as a creative, where are my weak points or where do I really got to watch myself? Or can I have a person or a coworker kind of like say, Hey, I kind of fall apart at this part. Yeah. <laughs> like, could, could you realize? And it's really good to have those relationships on your team. Like sure. no one is expecting anybody to be perfect. We expect you to mess up. Um, hopefully not royally, but mess up and learn and, and adapt quickly because that's just how you progress. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, absolutely. That's also our focus here at Pixel Perfect Team yeah. too. Um, we um, the podcast itself is actually new to us, uh, honestly, and we uh, we still learn uh, along the way, and we make yeah. mistakes, we mess up all the time. But um, we're growing through it though. So. Yeah, but but every time we make a mistake, we uh, take a look at it and then make it better the next time. So, um, so speaking of that, um, in terms of design process, uh, let's say you have a project and you have to go through all the steps to design this project. Um, what's your design process? Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Want to hear UX or you want to hear footwear? Uh, um, whichever comfortable with yeah, you. To share. One. Yeah. They are very similar. Um, obviously, one goes in a little bit more in depth uh, than the other. Um, actually, that's a lie. They're both pretty deep. They just have different levels. Yeah, <laughs> so um, let's see a process here. How can I take you through this? So when let's say I get a project brief and we're going to talk about footwear first and we're talking about, you know, some pack that's going to live somewhere in between Q2 and Q3 of the year, you know, and they really want these, this pack in particular to revolve around these four noble models. 
And I want to take a step back and say, okay, I have these four models slotted in the month of June in between Q2 and, or like, I'm sorry, not June. Um, I want to say like in between Q2 and Q3. So we're going to say that weird fluffy part in July of September stuff. Sure. Um, and uh, I'm going to want to take that model history and see what colors, what stories it kind of had beforehand, uh, not only just in that year prior, but the year behind that. So as a, as a color specialist, is you really kind of want to know where your model is going and where it has been. And you want to make sure you keep in mind what the colors you're using. So if I'm going to make some trainers again, I, and I'm going to put this in like obsidian blue, like that really dark blue black, I want to make sure I don't have that shoe existing in that color too many times. So I want to make sure I have um, a certain percentage of blues on my website or the wall in the physical brick and mortar store. Um, I don't want to have too much blue because then I oversaturated my products and I'm not giving my consumers enough choices, right. um, you know, and, and that then I'm like, okay, so then you kind of look at trend. What, what do I want to speak to? Or is there an opportunity to kind of speak to a trend? Or is this more of a dialed in DNA story for Noble? And um, you know, how can I position it there? So I evaluate my range plans. I see where, what colors I've used. Um, I see what the story is. I create some mood imagery. Um, and then by usually the time I'm done doing all of my research and I'm looking at consumers and I'm researching the story that we're designing to and so on and so forth, I'm pulling colors, some options. Um, it's a really, really big work in progress at this point because not only am I trying to kind of figure out the story um, and how to visually veneer it, um, everybody on the other side of the teams are figuring out how much are we considering making. Um, you know, let's see how many times we're going to make that. Let's see how what our budget looks like. All of those details flush out as you're designing. So you constantly have to be considering and absorbing all information as this goes on. Um, there couldn't be any more moving parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, when, I'm mood, when I'm designing mood boards and I have my research, um, I make sure it's in a really good space and I always go to my direct boss first. Mm. You know, get his blessings, see if there's any pieces of feedback. And I always make sure I do this about two days prior to any type of meeting that has, you know, others to consider. So like I have the apparel team sitting in on that meeting and I have, you know, my VP, I have my creative director on those meetings. I really want to make sure that I put that in front of my direct boss. He has no surprises before that meeting. He knows exactly where I'm thinking and feeling. Um, and, you know, I, I allow myself to have some time for feedback. Um, mm -hmm because he's going to back you up, right? You know, yeah. like he's the creative director, you have a vision, we want to make sure everybody's involved. And once I kind of go through my boss, then I put it in front of apparel in a side meeting. And I'm like, hey, guys, like, we're going to merchandise together. So let's see what your intention or what you're thinking and feeling. This is what I'm doing. Maybe we can compromise. Maybe we can, you know, just, you know, feed off of each other's, um, you know, vibes, the, the, the mood anything some you know it just takes a conversation and you know sometimes my apparel's like ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but those are the fun conversations to have of course right. um but yeah so i just kind of subject these little miniature meetings before the big one um to make sure everything is dialed in everybody kind of understands what i'm thinking i'm feeling they understand the color direction so on and so forth so when we put this out um on those weekly meetings that it has a true narrative, the story makes sense. Um, we've really, really baked this, this concept through because you never kind of want to leave things a little too loosey goosey or in that incubate spa space too long, just because mm -hmm. you kind of start to struggle as a department, whether or not you want to fully invest into it. You know what right. I mean? Right. Makes sense. So yeah. there's like that weird time gap where you're just like, okay, we're going to bite the bullet or are we going to, uh, back table, put this on the back burner and maybe introduce this in a couple of months. Right. Um, but after that, you know, you have your big meeting, you know, you get your initial feedback, you do the whole thing again. 
Yeah. Um, and then once you kind of have that mood, the art direction, the color direction, the product direction, form and function, you know, um, then you start putting all these materials and colors onto CADs and then you send them out for sample round number one. Um, and, you know, being in a startup atmosphere at Noble or Topo in my past, you only have a couple of rounds um, to really make sure you get this right. Um, more corporate goal, the, the, I feel like we we designed to market a little further out. So I have more time for revisions and sampling and budgetary, um, uh, let's say like if my shoe is a little too expensive, I can go back and kind of take some stuff off and save some money. Um, no, <laughs> no, hopefully, guess what? We're going to, you know, take this concept, we're going to throw it in the wall and hopefully it sticks. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's not that loose, but um, just definitely more mindful decisions, very more calculated. Um, but no bull just knows what they want. They know when something doesn't speak to the brand and they're not afraid to say it. Um, so I feel like we've got a good process here, um, for sure. Even though it's going to be a lot shorter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely do. Um, so that's just like kind of a really brief overview of my process. But the thing is, um, it gets more complicated, for instance, if I'm developing something very, very new. Um, and when I say that, that means I have to hand things off to other people and development, and that introduces lead times. Um, so that's a whole other story for a different day. Is just to communicate early and often, tag those people in, have your go-to people in um, that have your back that, you know, you want to gut check yourself you're with or have a second pair mm. of eyes on. Make sure you just keep touching base. I mean, I don't mean to say make sure your hand is held the right. entire um definitely don't be that person or that designer um nobody likes you <laughs> no i'm just kidding if you're new to um a company they completely understand that this is so new for you you're in absorption mode you're a sponge you know mm -hmm. some things are going to kind of slip in and slip out of your head you're going to miss a note or two and they expect it and a lot of right. people have a hard time expecting the fuck up at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Does your... Yeah, it's hard for me to even tell myself that. I'm only like three weeks into my new job. Of course, of course. Does your process... you want to overperform, right? You want to, you want to make sure that you, you feel valuable. Yep. Yeah. Does, does your process ever change for each project? Or I guess, like compared to your UX stuff, uh, does it change a lot or is it mostly what you just described? Um, it is always agile, UX or footwear. Um, always, always, always. It's small cycles of rinsing and repeating things and then validating along the way and testing the crap out of it. Right. <laughs> um, that goes for footwear too, right? You gotta, you gotta test your materials, gotta make sure uh, you're, you know, you know, uh, your soles aren't going to fall apart on the basketball right. court. That's, yeah, that's probably not good. <laughs> that the test. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, but like, does it average, like, because you do freelance work, does it, um, does it change depending on what client you have? Like if, let's say that there's a client that's like a large company versus a smaller, just starting up brand. Um, most definitely, I think, you know, my brain really kind of goes to this scenario where when you're working in freelancing and you have clients that really haven't had the experience to work with designers before, like definitely ask that question, like, hey, right. like how many designers have you worked in the past? Like, what was their process like? Is there anything about that process that you definitely want to be 110% included on? Do you want to be included on the whole thing? Um, you know, kind of, I've had a lot of clients that are like, I'm going to let you do your thing. Like, I love the direction you're going in. Like, we'll talk at X date. Right. Talk to them. Well, let me do my thing for three weeks. And I show up and they're like, this is dope. Or they're like, eh, kind of imagine something different. Um, or I have people who are very calculated 
um, who knew exactly what you want and they want to kind of be up your butt about yeah. everything that you designed for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you just have to read your client. And I think that's, that's just how that conversation needs to go down prior to even starting your work together is saying, Hey, how included do you want to be in this? Um, do you want to be all in it? Do you want to be a part of it? Do you trust me? What does that relationship kind of look like? What does that communication look like that? Do you want to be text or in call? Do you want to just rely on email? Um, you know, uh, yeah. Right. Freelance is hard. I feel like freelance is such a more intimate and a personal experience versus. <laughs> yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, that's that's so um, that's so interesting um, from what you say because one key um, one key point that I observed from what you said um, that I think is this is actually the key word for for the entire conversation so far is that that is communications. Cause I think, um, with our communication, um, you know, talking to your, checking back with your team, talking to your clients, you got no idea. Like you can just go miles and miles and miles. And then they say, Nope, this is not the right direction. And you just like, no, what just happened? I spent so much time on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, you have to remember how powerful creative people can be, right? Like yeah. what I'm really, like what I'm thinking in my head is probably like, could be absolutely different in Brett's head. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and we both understand this project briefly. Like, we're going to get after it. We're going to, we're going to do this damn thing. Yeah. And then I'm like, yo, I told you I wanted teals and purples. I didn't want pinks and blues. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and that's where you want to make sure when you guys go apart to do your own independent work that you guys are working on the same page, the same the same design intention, um, all of that, making sure all of those things are aligned. Um, because like I said, the communication's a slippery slope, and then you got to pick yourself back up. You got to go apologize. You got to rethink <laughs> everything, and then use people. Exactly, right, it takes right. more time. Yeah. <laughs> and- so, so then how do you handle, um, how do you handle crit, uh, like criticism from, oh, I can't say the word, criticism, yeah, from criticism. the clients or from, um, or any, perhaps or not negative feedback, but yep. um, maybe feedback that you couldn't, you can use to improve your, um, your next round of design from your team. How, mm. how do you handle that? Right. So whenever we get criticism and we'll we'll start with the extreme let's say if it's like a i completely missed right and i got i received some really harsh feedback um and i realized oh um i maybe misinterpreted their direction or i completely missed what they asked usually i never kind of miss and ask um but hey it does happen you know you're working a lot and you're like shit you totally asked me to do that i totally forgot because you're talking about things over Zoom calls now, right? Because pandemic, like, and works, let's yeah. say you just don't take that note, you translate it down on paper, or there's no written receipt on an email, and let's just say something slid, and um, and things are kind of uh, all over the place, and you're like, shit, okay. Um, obviously, I apologize, and I say I'll take all this into consideration, and if they come in with more suggestions, I'll be like, I will explore those. I always make sure I'm saying I will consider, I hear you, I you know, I, I take fault for my mistakes, um, and then I always go back and I say, this is what my list of priorities are going forward. This is what I'm going to tackle mm. first and fix. Then once I have validation from that, that may inform this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know, there's so many moving parts, and especially in the UX space or the soft goods world or product, whatever. Um, and, and some things may have to be addressed over others. So um, when it comes to harsh feedback, I just really make sure I say I consider your feedback. I'm going to suggest this. Um or, you know, if you're really disagreeing with what they're saying, please, like, and I say this to my students a lot, just like, please, 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 please don't ever attack in a negative voice or tone or anything like that. Like, really double check yourself on your email so that you don't come across, like, really brash or crash or anything like that. Um, saying, you know, 
see, I, I, I know I'm not totally on board with that suggestion because X, Y, and Z, and because of Y, (laughs) I don't want to, or I don't feel comfortable doing or designing to that. Um, So basically what I'm saying here is really making sure you're really factual and you don't approach things with feelings. Um, So really making sure you're separating your feelings from the facts of the product. Um, because they specifically paid you to design what they asked for. And if you don't like it and they do, guess what? It stays. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, That's right. Right. So until I know, we, and, and I love, um, Aaron Scott for always saying this, uh, in class, Brett, yep. you don't want anybody to tell you that your design baby is ugly yeah. <laughs> or it doesn't work or you're um, and uh, that's where you have to be kind of a little bit emotionally removed from your work. Sure, definitely fuel it with passion, definitely fuel it with purpose, but if, if it doesn't totally, you know, you're not totally freaking in love with it, that's okay because you're going to be in the weeds of all the good and the bad of this project. So you're, if you come out feeling that way, you did a great job. Of yeah. <laughs> um, but there's moments where you're like, I totally crushed that product. I'm so freaking happy about it. And those moments it goes. Yeah. And then there's some stuff that you design. You're like, wow, um, I got prescribed this really ugly product. And unfortunately my name's on it. Yeah. <laughs> and that fun. happened. That's true. Oh oh yeah, makes sense. Um, So what advice would you give to anyone who is interested in the design industry? Okay, my advice for people who want to dabble in design, um, really ask yourself, are you curious enough um, to figure out how things work? and how people interact with them. So basically kind of ask yourself, can you think to build and build to think? And I kind of, I dabbled onto that one in ID school and it just kind of struck a chord with me. And it's it's really a perspective. Um, it's really a headspace that you have to allow yourself to dabble in and be really flexible in because if, you, if you're married to so many concepts in your head, you don't allow them to breathe you don't allow them to be flexible because they're going to have a lot of opinions thrown at them it's not just your stuff you're designing for a company that has a brand or has a message that you have to you know abide by or some dna you just always want to make sure that you're packaging your products and they speak to a particular person and a particular brand um Unless if they're yours then yes please go happy do your damn thing (laughs) but no, just make sure you, you you gut check yourself and saying, hey, I'm fully capable of designing in that type of headspace, considering all people um, in my design work. And I am a, I'm a flexible person for feedback because people who are not open to criticism um, are really not going to be successful designers. And I think the word criticism has like, you know, a heavy rap because people really don't know how to give proper criticism. Um, people know how to take things very personally. Um, but you know, we're emotional beings too. So I understand how that happens. Um, but you just have to remember, we're talking about the product. We're not talking about you. Right. <laughs> um, we're, not yeah. we're just trying to make sure we put the best foot forward in this product. Um, and making sure we separate ourselves from the rest of the competitors and we do something cool here. Yeah. I, I speak for myself. I gotta say that I still have to learn yeah um making sure that (laughs) i don't take anything too personally especially when it comes to design because i'm some some because some people say that design is personal as well because you spend time effort and you know your thoughts your thinking creativity into it and then somebody says something about it and you feel oh that's something that i i yeah totally still have to work on right yeah. yeah. Or like you spend and, so many hours working on a particular project and then all of a sudden just someone says like, oh, could you just do it this way instead? It's then then that gets frustrating for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, but you know, everybody has so many ideas and approaches to, yeah. to designing, right? It's just what is what is the best method? Um, uh, what's the best method? What is the best method going forward from here? So yeah. you know, there's yeah. all the factors involved. But when it comes to criticism, again, um, you know, I think also it, it's not only receiving criticism, but it's also criticizing yourself. Um, and like you guys are still kind of working through how you respond to those things, but also how you speak to yourself, um, is another thing I also had to take a step back and I was like, okay, I got to unlearn some things, um, (laughs) internally, um, because the way I'm talking to myself is not good for not only me and my process, but it's just, it's really bogging down the life of this product. Like you're just dulling all those moments of inspiration um, or any of those aha moments because you're so frustrated with how things landed in the last meeting or you haven't felt like you connected with your with your project brief yet and you kind of feel a little stuck. And there's definitely, 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 definitely days where I get product briefs and I'm like, wow, I have no freaking idea how to go about that. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. there's that speak to me like second nature i'm like okay i already know what this looks like it's easy money here ta-da. Right. <laughs> and when you're in those moments of frustration it's just like really relying once again on those conversations with your teammates you know saying like hey like i just don't know why i can't connect my dots here like can you walk me through or tell me how you're gonna approach this and maybe it will kind of like resonate with me um or maybe it will strike a chord in the sense of like, oh, I get it. Okay, maybe I can totally try this uh, variation of it, um, right? Like for instance, the way you want to structure a layout and I'm just like, huh, I just don't see the information rolling through that way. Like I kind of feel like these two pieces of information have a little bit more hierarchical value um, right. and maybe we could push those up, um, you know, like, have really making sure that you're talking through all of those design decisions um, and and points of inspiration as you kind of take these things on head first. Of course. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well said. Um, so then, so besides all the design process, design project, um, you know, with freelance, with company, um, how do you manage other factors in your life let's say um you know money time management sleep eating stress stress things like that do you have any tips for designers um to get you know maybe do some more health um self-care um improve their health absolutely um i couldn't be more passionate about this space actually this question um and um, specifically to people, well, okay, no, I just got like a big rush over me. I'm like, here we go. Um, <laughs> it's something I personally struggled with. Um, I think I think I still struggle with it too. I don't say I have the solid answer, but I don't think anyone I'm does. Yeah. Learning, adapting as I go. Um, um. And I will just kind of say this. I was always the kid who had um, dance practice, soccer practice, homeworks and projects. Like I was a really calculated kid. Um, I had my weekends planned, but my mom always like had time for me for family time. And then there was time to play with friends. So I think from really early on, I understood how to time slot my priorities. But <laughs> when you're a person and you're really burnt out, you're going to totally table things and put things on the back burner really fast. <laughs> right. um, so um, I think having such a scheduled um, week, so I kind of do, I pretty much give myself seven to seven is all work. So I'm a noble at seven and I'm really not going to turn off my noble, my noble brain until 7 p.m. Um and really making sure I work out after the fact or beforehand. Um, 
that's kind of depending what my day looks like. So if it's a day of low meetings, I'm definitely going to work out first thing. I'm going to hit the ground running. So I have a really productive morning, right? Um, if it's a day of deadlines and meetings, I'm going to work out after. So I have a release, like, you know how you have that adrenaline drop. After right. Yeah. Do. I want to make sure I also release that on a physical level too. Like I want to work out, I want to weight lift, I want to pick things up, I want to put them down aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> um, or sometimes I'm like so exhausted and I have a severe adrenal dump, like adrenal dump, and I have to work out next morning. It really does depend. But when you have those big moments of deadlines and stuff like that, factor it in. I can't say that it's such a life starter because like lifesaver because like. Yeah. Sleep is essential. It's the only way your brain is going to function better. Um, make sure you're eating super well in the morning. If you have a busy, busy day and you're like me and you're moving around, pivoting between task and project and things and responsibilities, you don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so grace throughout the day, plan your workouts um, for relief and release. Um, and Friday nights, uh, I always do decompress nights. I call them fat Fridays. I love to cook. Nice. <laughs> it's, um, it's something I love to explore. I, I bring it back to my design world. Right. So I'm like, there's a, this recipe of flavor, these beautiful colors and I get oh, yeah. <laughs> super pretty just for freaking me. Right. Yeah. Um, and I love, love, love buying cookbooks like from Action Bronson and Maddie Matthewson on Viceland <laughs> stuff and getting after those really wackadoo recipes that are just like bonkers delicious. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's yeah. just something I do on Friday nights where I sit in my sweatpants, I have my boyfriend or my friend over and we have fat Fridays together, that's you know, cool. friends, food, family, um, spirits and you chill. And then Saturday and let's say if I'm having a really, really busy week, like I am this week, um, I always make sure I do get up and I work Saturday at least from nine to one. And then I start my errands in the afternoon. Saturday night, I don't do jack shit. Um, or I do a lot of nights with friends. Depends. Um, but my whole goal throughout the week is to stay busy and rest on Sundays. I, I really don't want to touch freelance. I really don't want to touch no bull. I want to spend time with me, myself, and I, my family is that day, or my friends friends um nice. so i'm not afraid to sacrifice a saturday morning and a saturday early afternoon just to get myself in a better place um and it honestly keeps my sunday scaries at bay yeah nice <laughs> yeah that's um, smart or a good way of like scheduling things out or that's that's cool or a detailed answer there um, yeah i mean it's it all comes down to discipline and, and a schedule for me but I plan my family time and plan my friends time. And, and, and I guess that's what really pushes me throughout the week. So I was like, Hey, yeah. like Nicole, you're really slipping on your shit. You, you can't, you can't have your friends over. on <laughs> Like you're not work late. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I have to have those thoughts with myself. So have you found having a creative outlet, um, like your job to be important? Um, and why and how so? Yeah. Um, so my three creative outlets that help or contribute to, let's say that design energy yep. would be definitely my fat Fridays in the kitchen. Um, I think cooking is just connection on all levels. Um, you're creating things from scratch ingredients, you're compiling awesome flavors, and then you're cooking it to another level of flavor. And then you present something super pretty and you enjoy the whole experience. Am I right? Um, I paint a lot. That is very therapeutic for me. Nice. Um, I either paint or do DIY stuff. I'm in the middle of, you know, doing so many things. Yeah. <laughs> painting, sanding, knitting, um, but mainly painting has been a stickler for me as of recent just because it keeps my eyes fresh and it really kind of helps me with my color theory because I'm constantly doing color lab dips. So I'm saying, hey, um, add 5% red to this, right. uh, or, you know, this swatch looks too blue. Can we actually increase the red by 10% and the yellow by five? Um, you know, so painting really helps me be better and sharpen those skills. Um, yeah, cooking, painting, and obviously physical activity, because that's just therapy in itself. Of Movement, 
movement is medicine. It keeps you healthy. It, it keeps you spirited. It keeps you level-headed um, and stress at bay. Yep. And I work out uh, five times a week. Wow. Um, so nice. I'm going to keep my head on straight. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's great. That? I feel like I'm the only one talking here. How about <laughs> your madness? Anybody like crazy scheduled like myself or is it just me here? No, uh, I mean, not as, not as like active as yours are, but, uh, yeah, I certainly, ch I, uh, recently after I graduated from general assembly, I've started to keep a schedule of all the stuff that I have to do. And I even schedule like the downtime that I have and, and trying to figure out like what I want to do during those times. But, um, during the pandemic, it's kind of been, uh, tough to just like actually run outside and, and work out, even though I used to like run all the time. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, it, it makes sense to have all these different schedules stuff just so that it's not like super crazy. Um, yeah, and I, I know I sound, I, I sound like crazy saying like, I'm scheduled to the every hour, minute, second <laughs> of the day. <laughs> Sometimes you have to. So, yeah. I'm stress. It is more like time blocks where yeah. I'm like, Okay. I'm six to eight. You can breathe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. you have to do that. So it's, yeah, it's totally I, I, I don't think that uh, that's just only you. I think um, yeah. I kind of do the same thing, too, for myself. Uh, speaking of discipline uh, and routine and all that, I try to have a schedule and a to-do list every day yeah. and um, also try to be active physical act physically active as well uh, brett knows me well yeah. that i um i play soccer and oh. um i i still do uh, two times uh, two times a week now sometimes three with a small group of friends because we just keep this just only us in the circle and then we meet every you know t uh, monday and saturday to to play together um mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and some other other physical activities as well. Um, of course, family time. So definitely, um, very. I'm very I'm being similar. very detailed about the schedule and stuff. Yeah, um, and I think it's really good to remind all of ourselves, like um, when you're so obsessed with your workload and you've got a lot going on and you're you're starting to feel the responsibilities weigh on you a little bit and you feel guilty for taking the break take the break yeah for sure um and i i've approached a lot of general assembly students especially around portfolio because it's such an introspective person like personal project that you're like I hate myself. I don't yeah. like this stuff. I don't like this stuff. I'm not going to get a job. And you go down this big, big thing of imposter syndrome. Yep. Um, I've been there. You step back. You got to reel yourself in a little bit. <laughs> you are your biggest critic. Um, and you have to say, hey, like, I'm not feeling good right now. Mm -hmm. I step back and once you distract yourself with something else and you go back to it you just start making design decisions a little bit faster things mm. are connect a little bit differently because you're not so super hyper focused on it anymore does that kind of make sense yeah yeah it does right. put that, that mental stress and strain on what you're trying to get after you you actually might not make that decision any sooner yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah. Hands, hands down. Um, um, gosh, I was going to say something, but I forgot. <laughs> actually, um, So, okay, so we um, we actually getting there to the end of um, our interview. Um, yeah, we really respect your time. Um, just a couple more questions that we'd like to ask you, Nicole. Um, yeah, so, first, um, I'm going to ask if, if there are any projects um that you're currently working on right now that you feel comfortable sharing or or do you um what do you hope uh, to do someday in the future in your design career okay that's those are two great questions 
Um, I can't really speak to anything on the Noble forefront because we do design so close to market. So what I am designing right now, you guys will be seeing as soon as of March, uh -huh. um, April and May and June. That's just what I'm, that's the time with I'm, I'm designing. Mm -hmm. well, unfortunately, those things are a little bit too confidential, but I've, I am doing things um, that I've never done before. And I can say I'm pretty excited. Um, cool. uh, a new thing to my role my current role at Noble is apparel. Um, I've never worked in an apparel space whatsoever. Um, so I'm doing something totally new and totally something that I am familiar with. I have seven years um, experience in footwear and then zero in apparel, three weeks wow. to be exact, not even. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the way I kind of handle myself now is saying, forgive yourself for not knowing this, like don't hold yourself to ridiculous standards ask all of those stupid questions frequently and oftenly in the beginning. Um, and, you know, keep getting after it, keep learning. Um, and as I said earlier, please stay organized because, you know, processes get sloppy. Right, right. <laughs> the whole career process is really sloppy. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, anyways, what was the initial question? What was I going with? I'm like lost in a train of thought. We were uh, asking what you're currently working on and what do you hope yeah. to do someday in the future? Right. In your career. Um, can't tell you what I'm currently doing. Um, what you see in Congress Kids right now is a lot of the stuff I've done. Uh, <laughs> you see kids mm -hmm. product, kids product, um, all the way into holiday 2020 of this year um, that I've done. So nice. feel free to take a peek at that. Um, and shout out to the Congress Kids team. Um, cool. And some things I definitely want to learn and get better is obviously the apparel space for sure. I've always been fascinated about it, um, especially about like pattern design and form and just how garments fall on a body. It's just like that's a whole other level, never mind of like interacting. How to actually is it wearable? Um, is, is that apparel piece? Um, doing its justice, yes. um, whether that's an athletic one or a lifestyle piece of apparel. Um, and then I think that's like, that's I see myself going. I mean, I think another aspiration I have, and I know, and I've had a lot of people tell me this, <laughs> um, I will probably have my own business very soon. Yes. <laughs> um, and I don't know exactly what those products are. Um, but TBD. That's, that's <laughs> exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Boss. Yeah. Um, so we end these things usually with like a silly question. Um, oh. so what would be your superpower and why? Oh, wait, I feel like we totally asked this in general assembly a lot of it. Um, they might have, yeah. yeah. During the standups. Um, Brett, what's your superpower? <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a good question. If I, I probably would say like flying, maybe. I don't know. That seems like a cool okay. little thing. I don't love travel too much. I know that's definitely not mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely don't want to be invisible or anything like that. Yeah, I don't like ever that's a little be creepy, yeah. more invasive on people. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm 100% not that person. Um, uh, but you know what? I would love to be a better energy reader because I think I'm a huge empath and I'm a creative solution problem solver type of a person where if you're feeling something about something, I will totally be that person that you can tag in and help you kind of navigate those waters. Or if you're super stoked, I definitely want to be around you. Let's have yeah. some fun. Mm. <laughs> So yeah, it would probably be like an energy reader, healer, one of those type of people. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, uh, where can people find you online? Okay. Um, so unfortunately, you won't see my portfolio. I dabbled that. I uh, dabbled into that a little bit yeah, earlier. You mentioned that. That's fine. But where you're designing a little further out, you sign NDAs. NDAs are big things. I don't want to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. unfortunately, my portfolio is not in a public space, but follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm underscore Nicole D'Ambrosio. Um, I got Tumblr. I got Pinterest. My Pinterest is pretty dope. I got awesome color boards and stuff. Um, nice. And I'm a big, 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 big interior design guru. Um, and that's obviously another another 
thing I would love to discussion. venture in, but yeah. you know, you can be so many things. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Instagram, Pinterest, give me a follow, um, Facebook, but I mean like who's on Facebook. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And Tumblr too. I am small Americano on Tumblr. Cool. That is my coffee order. If you're <laughs> American. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, that's awesome to know. Well, Nico, it's been great um, talking to you for sure. Um, Brett and I, we are um, very thankful for your time. Um, yes, I'm so happy to be a part of this. I think you guys are getting after a really cool space. And, yeah. you know, I hope these conversations really convince some people to to start designing more, be creative, lean into those. I think creativity is a superpower. Let's put it that way. Not <laughs> everyone born with it. Answer. Not everybody can get after it. It is a superpower and you got to manage it really well. Of course. Oh yeah. A agree. Yeah. Um, so, um, we, we really enjoy the conversation that we have with you. Um, and we also hope that our listeners will enjoy it too. Um, okay. and, um, yeah, um, all I can say is that um, to you, our listeners, you can follow us on Instagram at Pixel Perfect Talk and visit our website at pixelperfect.blog for more information. Um, thank you for listening. Until next time, stay safe and healthy, everybody. My name is Andy Dong. I'm Brett Tuboff. And my co-host is... Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm Brett Tuboff, <laughs> signing off.